Can you hear me? All yes. All right. Hello? Yeah, there you go. Hey. You're good. Okay. Hey, guys. How are you guys doing? My name is Tom with Tim. We're TNT or Tim and Tom. I don't know. Whatever you want. Um, I'm just going to start it off. Thanks for having us, Montez Press. Um, I want to turn this down just a little bit. Um, so today's show, this show is where we dissect an album as a whole and look back at its influential influence on society through fans, critics, and the people that made them. With so many singles out these days, the concept of the album is slowly receding into an artifact in musical culture. For fans of teenage goths in ripped fishnets and old rockers with ground-up mullets and a little too much denim, the pioneering shock rock band gains recognition with their fifth studio album. The album voices every teenager's theme against parental authority depicted in movies like Days and Confused. During the time of Nixon, innovation of technology and early connectivity, the album incorporates vaudeville and theatrical homages to make the concept album a unique addition to popular culture of the early 70s. Let's dive into Alice Cooper's Skulls Out. So, welcome to TNT. Today's album is Alice Cooper's Skulls Out. I don't know how we got to this point, but we're here now. So, I did not see us going to Alice Cooper route. I will say that. I don't know. I didn't, I think, I didn't expect it. I think it was because we didn't ha- do a rock album. Past albums have been like Apex Twin and hip hop albums. It's true. It's true. And I think this is the first album in the 70s, too. Yeah. So that's a, you know, we're kind of trying to hit the generations of the decades, I think. So. Sorry. Uh, I'm trying to play the Alice Cooper <laughs> and skip the cue. While Tom's doing that, I can give a little background on the album. Um, as he mentioned, uh, it's a fifth studio album by Alice Cooper, then the band Alice Cooper, not necessarily the individual Alice Cooper, uh, released in 1972 on the Warner Brothers label. Uh, their previous album, Killer, uh, was quite successful, and Schools Out reached number two on the U.S. Uh, Billboard Top 200 charts. Um so this was certifiably a hit. It was big in Canada. It was big yeah, in the UK. Yeah, it's a con- concept album. It was recorded in New York City at Record Plant, which is like a big studio in the city. Uh, I found out. We're just going to give you guys facts. We did like a cram session the last week or so, <laughs> and we're just going to give facts. The background on this is we didn't. we just didn't do a rock album for some reason for me personally. It just stuck out and it's may so college and school's out so summer's starting we're this typical may this would be the perfect time yeah. for this <laughs> I will say so that. <laughs> uh yeah as tim said it came out in 1972 it's the fifth album that the band came out with it, i found out that it got a 96 rating on google hmm. it's ranked uh out of all the albums it's ranked number four of all the Alice Cooper albums. Uh, Alice Cooper came out with seven albums as a band, but it overall has about 22 solo albums and two yet to be released. So he's still going. Pretty incredible, actually. Yeah, he's been going pretty for, gnarly. You know, 50 years. <laughs> um, just the just the background. Some more background. This is gonna be all background. I yeah, guess. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Don't worry. Um, we we got some special. I want to play a clip. It's like a 11 minute interview at, 
from 1974 that I want to play later. Okay. Okay. Um, Good deal. But go on, continue. I mean, I was just going to say, like, you know, I don't know about you. Uh, I am not. I was not overly familiar. Yeah, I'm not with really. Yeah, I'm not really an Alice Cooper fan. I, you know, you know some of the hits. You know, yeah, you know, we've heard it. Some of that, but I, I can definitively say that I had never listened to a full Alice Cooper album yeah, until now. You never came across the album. I've never really came across a whole album. I've only heard of Alice Cooper through just. My uncle actually used to listen. Oh, to really? Alice okay. Cooper. Okay. So I was wondering where I was wondering where this yeah, pick came from. So yeah. I like that. Okay. Yeah. Some familial so. ties. Yeah. I mean, I uh, classic rock is not really a genre that I classic know super well. Quite honestly. So it was actually it was it was very fun for me to, to kind of go this route. Yeah. And kind of see what else was happening around yeah, yeah. this time and kind of yep. learn a little bit more about Alice Cooper and like <laughs> you know you you see the persona like in in Wayne's world like. You know, he's in that movie. You see him like performing on stage. And yeah. It's like this crazy, huge, like. With all the crazy skeletons and, yeah. you know, all kinds of shit like that. But, you know, you, I didn't really know, like, where all that came from, right? Right. So it was actually really cool to kind of dive into that and see, yeah. see what this is all about. So. Yeah. Um, same. I, I. He's just an interesting character. I, I think why we're talking about it now is because it is summer. It is schools out. Pretty much schools out for everybody. There's no. School with the pandemic forever, possibly forever <laughs> yeah yeah um the i'm just gonna start off uh alice cooper this is kind of general broad but alice cooper i think based on this interview that i read on or heard on youtube it, the reason why alice cooper the name came about was because quote it was insatious and wholesome which contrasts with the band's image and music. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, um, before, I was reading that before the band really got into more of the uh, like horror aspects of what they were yeah. doing, mm-hmm. it was like mostly just like kind of shock and awe stuff. Like uh, yeah. the front man, Alice Cooper himself, uh, originally known uh, as Vincent Fernier, um, he was dressing in women's clothing. And like that in the late 60s was like a yeah. big kind of like shock value and their hair was really long yeah. and they looked all scraggly. Yeah, and this that, is post sixties post sixties pre rock and pre metal, pre yeah. rock and roll. Yeah, definitely pretty pre metal. Nineteen seventy two. Um he's labeled as the godfather of shock rock. Hmm. One of the pioneering shock rock I could see that. I guess this is this is also me learning about I the subgenre of shock rock, yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> where I think the band or him conceptually incorporated violence <laughs> in horror films. Oh and yeah, vaudeville type theatrical acts into the live show. Oh, totally. To to get headlines and just to blow up. Mm-hmm. And I think later I want to discuss like the different stunts that he did. I don't know if you went figure any of that out um, yeah i mean you know the i was reading an interview with the drummer neil smith mm-hmm. and uh he said we found our groove and it was theatrics blood guts and gore we were trying to make that wedge between teenagers and their parents as wide as we could and we were all loving it <laughs> so they were yeah. they were fully into this idea of just being like uh you know pseudo radicals and like trying to you know be like uh, american graffiti type rebels you know yeah it's funny because it it's let's see uh it is nine songs the runtime barely nine songs yeah barely nine songs there's maybe one there's one interlude. that's like yeah it's yeah. An interlude. 
Uh, and but you know, I guess that's how you build a discography of 24 albums. That's a good point. That's a good point. Not all these could be 18 track bangers. <laughs> and the runtime is 36 minutes and 50 sec- 57 seconds. It's like a punk record. <laughs> yeah, I listened to this this morning in the shower. So I was rocking out this morning in the shower with this. Um, Alice Cooper. Um, let's see. Yeah, he first introduced horror imagery to rock and roll and stagecraft showmanship with permanently transformed genre. Um, now, today, I also remember him, like you mentioned earlier, uh, Wayne's World. He's a film actor, he's a golfing celebrity, a restaurateur, and now he's like a popular radio DJ. And another fun fact that I was going to get into later, but now that we're here, uh, in 1973, uh, Alice Cooper, the band, did an interview with Cream Magazine, uh, and you know, thankfully, they produced an alcohol cookbook. Uh, another <laughs> another piece of the band is that they were all very big partiers. Yeah, uh, Alice Cooper himself, oh, yeah, no, for being sure. uh, an alcoholic for some years, and uh, one of uh, the band members actually, unfortunately, passing away early on. Yeah, uh, due to to substance abuse. Uh, but some of the names of some of the cocktails that are in here, just for fun, now that we're here. <laughs> Lizard Skin, Night of the Living Dead, H Bomb, My Time Massacre, uh, Alice Cooper Ass Kick. There's a lot, you know, there's a lot of good ones in here. So uh, if you're interested in that, hit me up. Also, do the link. <laughs> <laughs> We've been, I, I think, if you're in quarantine right now, you've been drinking a lot and making cocktails. <laughs> so you're uh, aspiring bartender. Put a shock rock twist to it. Come on. Tim has all the recipes. <laughs> um, what else is there? Um, well, can I ask you a question? Yeah, sure. What were your expectations kind of coming into this album of, of what you expected as far as like, okay, we're going to dive into Alice Cooper. You have some sort of preconceived okay, notions yeah, about my, him. My preconceptions of this album was, okay, Alice Cooper, kind of crazy looking dude with eye makeup. <laughs> I, I think of, I group him in, whether it's true or not, but me personally, I group him in this category of like Ozzy Osbourne. Rammstein, yeah. like cra- Marilyn Manson, yeah, crazy like shows, like do crazy shit on the on the stage for just different antics. Yeah, um, but yeah, that was my I. I'm not a classic rock person. I'm not a rock person. I yeah. with it, but I guess I go back to that. But that was my preconception of it. I'm just gonna be listening to some crazy, <laughs> weird screaming or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, you know, I as a person who's not totally, you know, that familiar with classic rock, but as a rock person, I, I expected it to be harder. Like, quite honestly, I expected it to yeah. be a little more hard rock. Yeah, um, no. Given I that agree. it's yeah. it's Alice Cooper. Yeah, you it, know. it almost sounded like a musical to me. Totally, and right? We'll, there's some interesting things about that. That we'll I, get I into. feel like during the '70s, that was like a regular, or like '70s, mid '70s, late '70s. That was like a a thing, like the, incorporating to, mus- musicals or yeah, a little, musical style, theater, musical theater style into your your album in some form. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you know, uh, the theatrics that he was doing on stage. You know, also, I think we're kind of mirrored by some of these songs. Should we, should we just go into it? Should <laughs> yeah, we just go into, up. like, the crazy... <laughs> okay, so I have, I have, a, I have, a, I have a game Beautiful. for you. Beautiful. Uh, but we might do the game a little at the end of this. Okay. But, okay. Um, let's see. Some stunts. He's known for... Um, well, first of all, I found out through Wiki, obviously, <laughs> that 
the band members were art students, and they were influenced by Salvador Dali,、hmm. and that's how they conceptualized the future antics that they did on stage. Okay. okay.、Um, he, Alice Cooper himself, incorporated a guillotine on one of the shows,、hmm. um, where it shocked the audience where he fake cut off his head. So、Uh-oh. that's kind of gnarly. Huh. Um, in a interview on VH1, I think he said that there was a, it was a real guillotine, and there was only the one latch that was like a safety latch. So if that latch failed, really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, I was I was reading a a similar type of story, and、uh, the guitar player was talking about like all the stuff they had on stage, like, yeah, the, the fog and feathers and all kinds、yeah. of stuff they were spitting out into the crowd, yeah. And he's like, "It's amazing, I didn't fall into the crowd because he's like, there was so much shit on stage and so much stuff happening, yeah, that it was actually quite dangerous." <laughs> well, was, well, everybody, I think, I guess this is the his acclaimed stunt was the chicken, right, right, the chicken. So he still to this day. Doesn't know where the chicken came from. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I've read a couple different things about it because、uh, you know. So this is 1969. This is before Schools Out comes out. They're in Toronto at the Rock and Roll Revival Festival, and、uh, the the story that I read was that the the group's manager Shep Gordon, who、mm-hmm. we can talk about later as a、mm-hmm. as an entity in the rock world, he apparently brought a chicken on stage. Yeah. And Cooper apparently thought that it would fly because it's a bird. And you know, obviously, it did not. <laughs>、uh, so he tossed the bird into the crowd, and the crowd apparently tore it apart. Right. And then threw the pieces back at、Ugh. Alice Cooper. But there were all these tales that grew from that, saying that he like bit the chicken's head off、yeah. and was like destroying it on stage and、yeah. all that stuff. So blame Toronto really for that. That's a,、yeah. that's a Canadian fault. I wonder if Peta <laughs> is still against us. I would not be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was just one of his. Most controversial, yeah, definitely.、Right. I think Alice Cooper. I don't know Alice Cooper as a as a character and Alice Cooper as a as a person. Totally two different people. Obviously. Yeah, seemingly.、Uh, um, there here's some other antics. He had like dolls, some sort of dolls, like baby dolls, like toy dolls, and he was like stabbing them on stage. And he would sing with like a bow constrictor、mm-hmm. often. Right. Right. Uh, I think the the story behind that is someone had a bow constrictor backstage, and he was actually s- scared of snakes. So he was like, "Oh, why don't I just like sing with this for a whole concert?"、Hmm. Um, what else is there? Well,、uh, and also, you know, not as as much as the band w- was doing a lot, there,、uh, you know, all the stuff on stage. Apparently. At some shows, you know, people were throwing M80s at them. They were throwing full cans of beer at them. So yeah, these, these were not self-deprecating. Pl- <laughs> yeah, these were not pleasant shows to be at. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. So apparently, at one point,、uh, someone threw a dart into Neil Smith's back. Oh. So that led to him starting to carry around a revolver. I, my question is, my question is, okay, he is set to be a pioneering person in shock. What what do you think for fans of Alice Cooper or shock rock? Do you think there's like a scene? Obviously, there's a scene, but、yeah. do you think there's like a hardcore scene? Like there's a hardcore punk scene or like a dance music scene? Do you think like, yo, I listen to shock rock, man? What do you listen <laughs> to? It's hard to tell because I mean, you know, it feels like shock rock, at least like this version of it, is inherently also very. 
hop oriented. Right. You know, these this there is probably some sort of like lesser known shock rock scene, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, stuff like this was you know it this was like a, a top two Billboard charting yeah. album. You know what I mean? So yeah. you know the fact that the this was just like so mainstream at the time. I I don't know like. If there was, I'm sure there is some sort of like lesser known, more indie type version of yeah. this. But for me, it just feels very, uh, as much as like he's trying to be counterculture, like a lot of that stuff that he was doing then, which was shocking, today is like, oh, yeah, cool, you ripped normal. head yeah. off. Like, congratulations. Like, yeah. you know, no one gives a shit. <laughs> okay. Um, true or false? And maybe after this, we'll play 11 minute interview? Or do we want to play some more tunes? I would play a tune for Let's play a tune. Okay, first. let's play a tune. Okay. Game. I have two questions. Maybe two questions. Uh, so, true or not true? Um, did Alice Cooper pass a cup around to the first row audience of a show and have people spit in it and drink it? I'm going to say it's true. Here's a second one. Did Alice Cooper? How do I phrase this? Did Alice Cooper have baby chickens on stage to start stomping on it? I'm gonna say it's false, given what I've read about the other chicken. So the first question is true. That's my answer. And then the second question is false. That's yeah. Okay, so the first answer: Did he have people spit in the cup and drink it? That is not true. No. Hmm. Yeah. According to this article. So, this is hearsay. This is all hearsay. <laughs> this whole show is hearsay. Yeah. Uh, the second one, did he stomp on baby chickens? Again, not true. Hmm. <laughs> mm. well, but funny. everything else is true. Funny how all the tales build like, yeah. from, from yeah, yeah, certain yeah. things, you know, especially when, you know, the late 60s, early 70s, mid-70s, when he was like, you know, this band was at its peak. There was no social media. There's no, like, you know, there's only, like, rock photographers, right? So that's, <laughs> yeah. like, the only documentation you're really getting. Cream yeah. Magazine and shit. Um, so uh, what track are you most interested in playing? Um, I actually... I actually like Blue Turk. Me too. That's my top track. Okay, cool. Let's Do it up. play Blue Turk. Uh, this is Blue Turk. Uh, this is track number five on uh, Alice Cooper's Schools Out, uh, released in 1972. <laughs>
shiver, but I love this game. Cooper's schools out uh track number five blue turk so um just doing a little research online <laughs> a lot of comments on here are talking about this track as a jazzy tune that talks about necrophilia <laughs> oh yeah is that what it is? so that's the general comments <laughs> they're having here uh you know but i don't know i i like that song i think it's the most like interesting song in the whole album actually like yeah. it's the most it's the one i most enjoy uh i would would have liked to have said that before your, your fun fact. <laughs> that's why i had but to here say we, it here we are <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i think it's you know it's funny it's 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 not in the shock rock no style at all it's more no. jazzy than anything than like you know uh, hardcore rock and roll by any means uh but i think it's like and it reminds me more of like a song you would hear in the late '60s or '70s. It's like a Marlis right. and the Papas type song. Yeah, you know? but I think yeah, it's yeah. I think it's the most interesting song in the whole album, actually. Yeah, um, he's a smart songwriter. He's like very talented. You think? Yeah, hmm. I, I I just see Alice Cooper as like this super nerdy kid who was his his father was a preacher, mm. like being a choir boy, growing up a showman in his own right. Yeah, growing up and just knowing all these instruments and singing and writing songs and but just spending a lot of time I, whether he this is true or not I'm not really sure but yeah. any Alice Cooper fans out there can come and fact check us and correct us if they want get I don't us in really the DMs care. that's yeah get us in the DMs <laughs> um, but I just see him as this really nerdy kid who wanted to be accepted so was acting out it was acting out in, you know, uh, just to be heard. And right, right. So I don't know much about his upbringing or anything like that, but we Yeah, apparently he, well, he did, he ran cross country. He ran cross <laughs> country a, in school? Yeah. And apparently I ran cross country he, in quote, school. He, had a great time in high school. So it's, it's interesting that, like, one of his biggest hits is about, like, getting out of school. <laughs> yeah, all the band members are from the same school, right? Yeah, they kind of all grew up together and went to high school together, which is interesting. Um... um out in Phoenix, Arizona. So, yeah, the birthplace. Of you want to talk <laughs> about some of the instrumentalists that were on the band members? Is that what you wanted to talk about? Um, I was going to say we should talk about the production a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Um, sure. So th- this album and uh, a lot of Alice Cooper's albums thereafter are produced by this guy named Bob Ezrin. Right. Uh, he's a Canadian music producer and keyboardist, but he worked with a ton of different people. Uh, afterwards, he worked with Lou Reed, Pink Floyd, Deep Purple, Peter Gabriel, Kiss, um, Kiss. Uh, you know, we could talk about Alice Cooper's influences, later, you know, uh, <laughs> legacy later. But yeah, um, yeah. I mean, after 
this album they released uh, Billion Dollar Babies, which was the number one uh, top selling record, um, and continued to work with Cooper after the band, you know, uh, you know, didn't play together anymore, essentially, and then continued to release more and more albums together. Yeah, he also, he's a Canadian music producer, um, but he worked with Andre Bocelli and Fish. Two classic shock rock acts. <laughs> <laughs> but also 21st century acts like Deftones and 32nd of Mars. Which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but also this particular album, you can hear in the background, uh, has taken Leonard Bernstein mm. from, oh, yeah. uh, what is that? What's the musical? West Side Story. The West Side Story, yeah. Yeah. So we should maybe, we should talk about like the kind of weird like Broadway-esque nature to this album. Which is something I did not expect. Yeah, I did not expect that, but I hear, I hear a lot of that influence, as I mentioned earlier, in like other bands like Queen or yeah or I don't know. There, uh, there's a lot of bands that inf- have musical theater influence. Yeah, you know, totally. and putting musical theater and Alice Cooper together in the same room definitely gets this album. It feels right. It feels they, you know, it yeah. feels like they make sense. But you know, to actually have like lyrics from West Side Story on as part of the, one of these tracks, Gutter Cat versus the Jets, the Jets, yeah, you know, like the, one of the rival gangs. Yeah, West Side yeah. Story. Uh, I really did not see that coming. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. And then the at the very end of the album, the little uh, it kind of gets into a reprise of that song. Yeah, um, at the very end, the, you know, the Jets theme. Yeah, so when you're a Jet, you're a Jet to the end, apparently. Uh. On allmusic.com, uh, one comment or reviewer named John Warner wrote, it's a pretty amazing intersection of hard rock and commercialism with big theater used liberally. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, yeah, and who, what else? The guitarist, this goes into the, the actual single, but... Um, well, we can talk about schools out the single. Yeah, let's let's talk about Skulls Out the single, yeah. or yeah, okay, let's talk about Skulls Out the single. So Skulls Out is the first track, is the title of the album. Um, it's what I've come to find out is how it came about was they were thinking about what are the how do you encompass the best three minutes of your life? Hmm. What are the three minutes of your life? that they didn't mention this interview is three different things. Okay. So one could be, they said, um, Christmas morning. So this could be possibly... Less rock and roll. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one that they didn't mention that, but I'm going to add in there is sex and orgasm. Mm. <laughs> More rock and roll. Yeah. <laughs> and then the third is when the school's out. Right in the middle. Yeah. So... <laughs> So I think um, it's the theme of young people's desire against rebel or to rebel against older folks, yeah. and I think they said that they wanted to encompass in three minutes that feeling, hmm. and that's how school schools out came about. Interesting. Interesting. The, what's the greatest three minutes of your life, hmm. and that's how schools out came about. Well, the the marketing of it was was pretty on point. Uh, the song actually came out in May of '72, which you know, again, it's May right now. Right, schools are letting out generally, um, and so that actually the single was out two months before the album was. 
Uh, so it was like right that summer. It was probably, you know, it just hit really hard. Um, so in addition to the song being quite uh, mm-hmm. a rebellious feat, um, it's it's pretty funny. Uh, you know, Cooper reportedly said that he was sure with this single that the band was on to something. Uh, he apparently said, if that's not a hit, then I need to be selling shoes somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so he knew, you know, they seemed to be kind of savvy in as far as marketing goes. Um, yeah, this was the highest charting, right? This is, I, I think so. Yeah, uh, Skulls Out release. Yeah, went to it picked at number seven, mm. and that's the hardest, the highest charting single for both the band and Cooper and individual. Solos, yeah, and uh, it's interesting. You know, we were speaking about Bob Ezrin, and you know, in terms of his, his influence on this record and, and on this song is on Schools Out, towards the end of it, uh, these kids come in and start singing, right? Yeah. And uh, he is apparently quoted as saying, it's one of the best moments in rock history. Uh, And we also mentioned that uh, he works with Pink Floyd, and guess which record he worked on with Pink Floyd? The Wall. Yeah. Uh, And so, you know, know, think of the school choir singing on that song. Yeah, there's a lot of big names. how influential that is. Yeah, there's a lot of big names that... I think would say all a lot of big names that we are big now, but then possibly were just making a name for themselves. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. You mentioned the artwork. I I was this this was something I like design and I like album art and stuff like that. And this is one of the things that um, really caught my attention. Yeah, this was this is a strange one. <laughs> um, so I'll preface this with saying that uh, this album design, the cover, one the grammy for best album design that year yeah um and the actual um cover was sorry greg I braun this, i have this down somewhere what was designed by craig braun mm. and isn't he's part of an la firm i'm trying to find the name i had it written down somewhere um oh yeah la design firm pacific eye and ear uh, which you know the the front of the album cover is a photograph of an old desk with carved in initials of, of each member of the band, as well as like a logo with a heart on it and all that kind of stuff. Um, the inside featured a collage that uh, it opened up like a desk. Did it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. So apparently, inside, in this makes more sense. Then it included uh, photographs of uh, like items like crayons, marbles, slingshots, and like switchblade. So it's very, <laughs> it's very youth oriented. Speaking of switchblades, the guitarist is the guitarist, uh, Richard Allen Wagner, Dick Wagner, was an American rock music guitarist, and supposedly his guitar had a, a like a sword in it. <laughs> sword, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's like pulled out into a sword. That's cool. cool. I think we're still live. I think we're back. I'm not sure. Um, if anybody can email us or text us and let us know that if we're live or not, uh, please let me know. We are streaming. 
And we are recording. So let's go Boom. back. Let's go back at it. Sorry for that interruption, <laughs> y'all. It just got really heated for the moment. <laughs> Rock and roll. <laughs> what are you gonna do, man? Blow up the board. Shocking you guys. Blow up the board. <laughs> <laughs> we were discussing. Okay, Dick Wagner had a sword. And sword and his guitar. Yeah, and uh, graphic album. And so slingshots. Slingshots. So very, you know, very kid, you know, kind of feeling, right? Yeah. You know, the school desk and everything. Uh, another interesting wrinkle here is that. Uh, the first uh, 100,000 versions of the record were wrapped in a pair of paper underwear, yeah. paper women's underwear. Yeah. Um, and there were apparently white, pink, yellow, or blue paper underwear that uh, the album was wrapped in. You yeah. can Google this and find a photo of it. It's <laughs> pretty wild looking. Uh, but the only reason why only the first 100,000 were packaged and shipped that way was because uh, the underwear was found to be quite flammable. Yeah, it did not. <laughs> it was not up to snuff as far as packaging. That standards. album was fire. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if you go on eBay as well, you can find people who still have like the uh, one of the original 100K that were pressed with uh, with the underwear yeah, wrapped so around it. Yeah, so if you guys it, find so. that record, I, I want it. I just want it just for the fucking flaming underwear. <laughs> um, Another thing that feels disjointed, I will say for this this album is not sexy to me. This is not like a sexy album, so like the fact that it no. comes with underwear on it, like feels yeah, like a, it's it's a little weird. It feels like Just, more like a mid '80s hair metal band. Kind it of is, yeah. It's a precursor yeah. to hair metal. Oh yeah, definitely for sure. Um, it's just funny because you don't think of it. it. You you listen to the song like Blue Turks, and then you get <laughs> yeah. you know it's like really weird. It's just yeah. a weird album. The the cover was. Uh, manager designed by this guy named Craig Braun mm-hmm. in addition. Uh, he was uh, the creative director at Warner. Mm. But he's also an actor. He's been in like uh, Swordfish and like other stuff, which is really the weird. Halle Berry movie? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's really weird. But he's, he's really known uh, for being a designer and a graphic designer. He has like a, he had a MoMA retrospective in like 94, 96. Really? Yeah, hmm. kind of wild. That is interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's also responsible for the Rolling Stones album Sticky Fingers, mm. along with Andy Warhol, which was nominated for a Grammy. Interesting. And eventually awarded the greatest album cover of all time by VH1 in 2003. This album was? No, the oh. Rolling Stone. So you know that Rolling Stone yeah. logo with the, the mouth? Yeah. and That, obviously yeah. it was designed by somebody else, but like he, that, yeah, it. he right. he somehow refined that and made it the Rolling Stone thing. Yeah. So, schools out. Yeah, the, it's been in featured, and I I mostly recognize that song from Days Confused, yeah, the opening does? song in yeah. Days Confused. So, but you listen to the whole album, and that's all I think about. I think of <laughs> I think of that era. I think of like just teenage freedom mm. in a sense, and I think of just fucking rebellious like. I don't give a fuck, you know, just totally, you know, days confused. I just think of days confused yeah. when I listen to this album. Yeah. No, big time. Uh, question for you. Yeah. Do you think this is a concept album? I think it is a concept for me personally. I think it is a, con- I haven't really listened to any of the other ones, but I think okay. it is a concept album because it incorporates musical theater. Hmm. I don't think honestly, I'm not like a big musical theater fan. Hmm. I do 
enjoy it and I do, but it's not like my always like, oh, I gotta listen to this album or I gotta listen to this like musical theater or I gotta go see the show because I, I think something about like breaking out into dance and song in the middle of a in the middle of a conversation is a little, it's a little interesting, but <laughs> but but putting it into a a containing it into an album like this makes it conceptual. Hmm. I, I that's what my take. On that's it. Do you do you think it is? I I did not think it at first. I will say that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I kind of listened yeah, to it. Yeah, I didn't and think all these, it was either. But. A lot of these songs are they don't really flow. Some of them don't really sound like the others. Mm-hmm. Uh, and schools out, I think, sounds different than almost the rest of the album. The single schools out sounds completely different. Yeah, I totally think, different. than most of the album. Right. Um, so I don't really think it was, but I think like thematically and lyrically, yeah. I think they were really trying for it. And given all of these like touches about the album and the cover and the concept yeah. and the, the interior of it, I think they were really trying for it to be like conceptual, that, yeah, yeah, that conceptual like "fuck you" to your parents, basically. Yeah, because obviously they're shocked. They want to encompass that into. But what is the de- definition of a conceptual album? Ooh, we've done. How we've sh- done. How many shows do we we've have? done three conceptual albums already right this is the fourth one right uh i wouldn't say lee and nancy and lee was nancy and conceptual, lee i don't know really. if that's a concept album yeah graphics twin yeah, was not conceptual there. just the first one true yeah true but yeah that's a whole nother show i guess yeah big time you know, <laughs> um we'll do a clip show where we talk about our favorite concept albums <laughs> <laughs> um do we want to play another song or play an interview? Yeah, let's play a little, uh, part of that interview. And then we'll go into like some little history about yeah. that, and then we'll just close it out. Yeah, maybe. Totally. Okay, cool. So I found this interview on YouTube. This is from an interview while he was on tour, Alice Cooper, in 1974. It's about 11 minutes long, so bear with us. But it's a very interesting album. Uh, I mean, interview, and uh, I would share it with everybody. So, enjoy. Can you hear that? Sorry, we're having trouble in technical. I guess we're not going to do the interview. Let's not do the interview. Um, we'll just continue. Just keep on keeping on. All right, back to rock and roll. All right. Uh, we Well, that interview talks just early Alice Cooper. I guess primetime Alice Cooper and just about... It was during the tour of Billion Dollar Baby. And it's somewhere in like England somewhere, and he they just talk about how where Alice Cooper came from mm. and like what the ideas were and why. But the interesting thing that he really talks about in there is the differentiation from 
him as a person and Alice Cooper as a character. Mm. And it got to the point where he couldn't differentiate yeah. who's what and that he he even specifically said that he Alice Cooper as a character, nobody can be Alice Cooper as a character twenty four seven. So as a musician or as an artist saying that, you know, so nowadays like reality stars or whoever are on twenty four seven. Yeah. And in this interview, this is kind of candid interview like backstage. It's rocking all white, by the way. <laughs> I'm wearing white jeans. <laughs> and as in white silk pajamas. Perfect. But yeah. Perfect. Um it's just cool. I don't know, I find Alice Cooper some sort like a bit honest. Mm. You know? I think he's a a fairly honest person. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's and, interesting. Like, you know, there was no social media to project your character then right yeah project that like you're all good like everything's lovely like all the time and so really he did it on stage and he did it in interviews yeah he also he also the the one thing that i took away from that interview was this might put like the shock rock thing in in the into perspective here it's like he says that you can go to a two-hour rock music show and you can't really go to a two-hour rock music show and just play music. Hmm. Bands can't really do that anymore. <clears throat> Excuse me, because that's like already been done. Right. It's like people are just would go like, so what? Yeah. So that's what he says in that whole interview, and mm. and why violence and shocking his audience and showmanship and whatnot yeah, is totally. so interesting and relevant and important to this whole. And like he also talks about. Uh, the craziest ideas and you know how do you make headlines and yeah whatnot yeah but yeah interesting yeah um you know kind of think about how this album is contextualized in the larger span of 1972 um you know some of the top singles that year can we start with 1971 oh sure can i i I always (laughs) like when i'm researching albums i always want to try to do the prior year only because yeah because like i think that's when people wrote the songs right Mm, mm, before it's released so and then like the the take on after so i could do 71 you could do 72 sure another interesting thing though to think about while we're talking about this is like you know this is their fifth album and they really only started like Playing up. music seriously, like yeah. in the later part of the sixties. Yeah. So to already have five albums is yeah. kind of, I mean, granted this one's nine songs, but like that's just a very that's a lot of output. Very that's a quickly. lot of output for making this the breaking one. Yeah. I think. This was the breakthrough album, right? Well, Killer, the one before this did pretty well, but this okay. was I think the this like because yeah. eighteen was on that album. Yeah. Uh and that's like, you know, a, another one of his their big tracks. Yeah. Um but yeah, this one like definitely I think put them on the map. Yeah. Um, just a little history, yeah, just a little history about where we are. 1971, um, when 1972 the album came out, but 1971, uh, here's some fun facts. I'm just gonna read them down. It's gonna go crazy here, really quick. Uh, <laughs> Intel releases world's first microprocessor, the 4004. It starts the digital age. Hmm. Uh, Charles Manson and three of his followers received the death penalty. Uh, NPR makes their first broadcast oh. in 1971. Uh, Disney World opens in Florida. The voting age in the U.S. and U.K. is lowered to 18. Hmm. So that's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm actually surprised it wasn't earlier. So knowing that and knowing the album, 
Yeah, it's funny. The people are speaking up more. Yeah. Um, let's see. NASDAQ, the NASDAQ debuted. Apollo 14 mission launched in January to the moon, which is like the third mission, I think. Third or fourth mission. Um, the Soviet Union launches the first space station. Hmm. The New York Times uh, publishes parts of the Pentagon Papers about the military involvement of Vietnam. Yeah. FedEx and Amtrak is recreated. First became, those are the, the startups of the world. Then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, they banned cigarette advertising. And uh, 60% of the world is, against, or 60% of the U.S. is against the Vietnam War. Hmm. Um, let's see what else. Uh, the first pocket calendar or calculator uh, was introduced. First internet chat rooms. What? Yeah, I don't know. It might be military. That's what it said. I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not. But <laughs> soft contact lenses introduced in 1971. Email was like the first idea of email. Hmm. Uh, the floppy disk was invented. Uh, LCD liquid crystal crystal display was introduced. Um, yeah. So that's 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 what was happening during 1971. Interesting. Um, you know, last last show we talked about Nancy and Lee, which is 1968. Oh wait. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, I have my I have my things all mixed up. <laughs> but popular uh, musicians at the time: mm. ABBA, Rock, Roxy Music, John Lennon, Paul Simon, uh, Elton John, Bowie, Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Popular shows. Around that time, um, Mary Tyler Moore, Departure Family, mm. stuff like that. Hawaii Five O, nice Brady Bunch. So these were. This is happening. This is all happening during 1971. Yeah. And this album comes out and this act comes out and. But yeah, it's very interesting. You know, I think pop culture is uh, still trying to be like packaged in this very like wholesome and American American way. Mm-hmm. Um, but in reality, you know, the world is like starting to be set ablaze. You know, it's, it's like we're deep in yeah. Vietnam at this point. Even though the the world, the war of Vietnam ended, right? Seventy uh, two. It ended, yeah, later, later. I think it might have been seventy three. But anyway, yeah. Um, the troops like started to be deescalated in seventy two. Yeah, 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 right, right. Um, but yeah, so it's interesting, like. You know, uh, pop culture is still, you know, the Brady Bunch, the Partridge family, like all very wholesome type stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, you know, the 60s obviously began some of that counterculture uh, revolution, but it was, you know, very flower power, very hippie. Um, whereas I think Alice Cooper kind of recognized that and saw that he wanted to like shock and awe. You could hear way. the 60s in the album. Totally. I think yeah. Blue Turk, you know, that song Blue yeah. Turk we played, mm-hmm. like that is a very like 60s jam mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he's really trying to like, be like cast himself differently right. from the popular. I mean, like the top singles in 1972, for instance, "American Pie" by Don McLean, mm-hmm. a song I detest. <laughs> That's another story. Heron uh, Nielsen, uh, "Without You," "Hot Butter," "Popcorn," which I don't know, but I'd yeah, like to hear. Uh, Neil Young, "Heart of Gold," uh, and then the Moody Blues, "Nights in White Satin." Uh, as far as top albums that year, you have "Music" by Carole King. And again, American Pie by Don McLean, Harvest by Neil Young, America, 
by America. <laughs> and then uh, Roberta Flack, first take. So, I mean, nice. you know, rock and roll, not incredibly present in, like, the, the, yeah. the top top of the charts. <laughs> it's definitely, would you say this is, like, a later classic rock? Classic rock has been already going on. Well, it, it, it depends. Like, you know, I think, you know, what type of rock are we talking about? Are yeah. we talking about, like, you know, because the 70s are, like, the very beginning of metal. Like, Sabbath came out in 70. Yeah. And, like, they really started to, yeah. like, they were, like, credited, I think, with creating, like, mm-hmm. heavy metal as a genre. Mm-hmm. Although their early albums are, like, kind of sound more like this, to be yeah. honest, as opposed to what I think we would think of as, as like, hardcore Black Sabbath. Um, this album's a little soft now yeah. that you listen to it. Yeah, totally. That was, <laughs> I was, that was the big revelation I had when I first listened to it. <laughs> I was really surprised by that. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's interesting in terms of, you know, pop culture and history at this time for this album to come out really reflect nothing about what's happening in the world. It's completely, uh, you know, ambiguous <laughs> as far as like when this could have, this could have came out and, you know, many different times yeah. and you wouldn't have noticed because it has no relation to pop culture at all, really. Yeah. And yeah, it has no, I mean, apart from West Side Story, which, you know, was yeah, that was a big in the fifties. Yeah. Um, in 72, also, just to give you guys some reference, um, Munich happened. Oh yeah. In 1970, the Olympic terrace thing, uh, and then Atari and Watergate. Atari released Pong and Watergate. So, well, Atari didn't release Watergate, but Watergate happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Watergate happened, and Atari released Pong. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Uh, but just to get, tie it back to today. Uh, Supposedly, the last major epidemic of smallpox in Yugoslavia, Europe, happened. Really? In 72? Yeah. Hmm. And then also in 72, world leaders agreed to banning biological warfare. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're a conspiracy theorist, you know, uh, that's what's happening. Uh, 72, also, Godfather was a big film. um, And the Volkswagen Beetle was the most popular car. Hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, Alice Cooper uh, in a world of their own. Yeah. Uh, were you able to find much in the way of, of reviews about this album? Most of everything I read was reviews. <laughs> reviews. Um, I didn't That's pull funny. any quotes, but... Uh, I, have a, I have a few from Rolling Stone. Okay. Um, this is this is from ni- September of 1972. Uh, one quote that I pulled uh, is, this stuff is as bad for high school kids as it is for their parents. So that kind of sets <laughs> yeah, the yeah. tone for this entire review. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, another line says, uh, Alice is variously an actor, rocker, comic, madman, and exorcist, the culmination of rock's subversive tendencies. This is the reputation he carefully nurtures. What schools out confirms is what I have long suspected, that Alice's profusion of roles are themselves self-canceling that as a cultural assassin, he is quite harmless. So Rolling Stone did not take <laughs> too kindly to this no, album. No, <laughs> yeah, I think the album did not get... It was a mediocre review Yeah, at the time. Yeah. and yeah. But it's interesting that it charted so highly, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think it does tell a story yeah. as a whole, as through the medium of music, of theater, yeah. and musical theater. You could definitely feel that in the album. You, you can definitely, I can definitely see this album 
being regenerated into theater format. Like a Broadway tale. Yeah, like a Rocky <laughs> Horror Picture Show yeah, type yeah, thing totally. or something. You I'm, know? Sure, I'm sure he would have loved that. <laughs> Alice Cooper musical theater thing might have happened already or might have been in discussion, but I have yet to see tickets. Or <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, Alice Cooper, you're listening. Let me know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, speaking of the theatrical style, you know, some of the influences that, you know, I think I found, I found a few of these and then I, I'm kind of supposing mm-hmm. one here is that, you know, we mentioned Kiss already. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've heard Marilyn Manson be referenced as someone influenced by Alice Cooper. Um, Cheap Trick, which kind of makes sense. Right. The New York Dolls, I think, uh, given the cross-dressing that they were doing that during the, yeah. the early 70s, early mid-70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say The Misfits as well, which is a band musically not similar at all, but in terms of theatrics, you know, they wore a lot of makeup, a lot of stage decor, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the Cramps was another one. Cramps. Which is yeah. interesting. So, yeah. I mean, you know, this is early 70s. A lot of that stuff is coming out in the later mid to later 70s. That's so, so crazy that this came out in fucking 72. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I mean, as their fifth album. <laughs> yeah. Again, which is still kind of remarkable to me. Uh, should we play the the single? Yeah, let's do that. And I, then I have one, call it. Yeah. I have one fun fact before, yeah, we, do before we go. Uh, Alice Cooper started a celebrity drinking club in the 70s. <laughs> it was called the Hollywood Vampires. And uh, in order to get into the club, what you had to do was outdrink all of the members of the club. Sick. Um, so key members of this were himself, Keith Moon, Ringo Starr, uh, Mickey Dolenz from the Monkees. Uh, and apparently John Belushi would come through, John Lennon would come through, uh, Joe Walsh. So uh, that's a cool club. It's pretty wild. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, I just wanted to get that in there because I thought it was cool. Well, that's 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 awesome. Those are some fun facts <laughs> about Alice Cooper's Skulls Out from Tim and Ton, and uh, we're gonna play out the show with uh, Skulls Out, the one track uh, from the album from the 1972 album Skulls Out. Thank you. Yeah. 